Hello everyone, welcome to the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Jessica Chum, Managing Editor of Eco Business, and I'm excited to introduce the first in a series of discussions about the world of sustainability here in Asia Pacific. To wrap up this series, Let's Write the Future, we have here in our studio at the SDG Co. today, the Chief Technology Officer of Swiss tech giant ABB Group, Basmi Hussein. Basmi has been at ABB for 30 years and prior to this role was ABB's Managing Director in India. He was instrumental in making ABB a leading name in smart grid solutions and as CTO is now responsible for overseeing ABB's global R&D efforts, which also includes ABB's venture capital arm. Basmi, thank you so much for being here with us today. Morning, Jessica. Good morning. We're very happy to have you here in uh, the brand new studio. And also thank you to ABB for being the sponsor of our first podcast series. I think it's really exciting that ABB has unveiled its latest slogan and it's Let's Write the Future. Can you please tell us more about this as CTO? How do you envision ABB's technologies to define and to change the way that we live? ABB has been a pioneering technology leader for 125 years. Uh, in these 125 years, ABB has uh, uh, pretty much written the book when it comes to electrical energy, how it is generated, how it is transported, uh, how it is more efficiently used. Um, so uh, things like high-voltage DC transmission, which is what is used today, increasingly used to transport large amounts of renewable energy from middle of uh, far away in the ocean to land uh, or from um, uh, you know sources uh, which are far away from places of consumption so thousands of kilometers uh, with very low losses uh, these are all uh, initiatives that were brought up by ABB um, in the automation side, um, ABB also um, was the first company to bring out industrial robots, which mm-hmm. uh, um, you go to any modern uh, manufacturing plant and you would see a lot of robots. Um, what is so exciting about now is that um, we see that we are in the middle of two revolutions. One revolution on the energy side. Renewable energy is coming in, more distributed energy coming in, um, uh, renewable energy which is uh, more difficult to predict, has uh, intermittency, um, so you know it goes up and down. Uh, at the same time, uh, more and more things are getting electric, electric cars coming up, transportation getting more electric, heating and cooling going more electric. So on one hand you have the basis of the entire uh, system changing. On the other hand, you need more of it. Mm -hmm. On the automation side, the fourth industrial revolution is upon us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the first industrial revolution was uh, when uh, steam was first used, okay? Uh, The second was basically when uh, you had, um, uh, when you had, uh, you know, the possibility of assembly lines, okay? Uh, the third was the use of electronics and automation in the, electri- in the, in the production system. And the, while the first three were essentially about replacing muscle, the fourth one is about um, muscle and brain as well. Mm-hmm. It's about intelligence that is coming in 
from the side of technology, the internet of things, uh, services and people as we call it, um, also new kind of robotics. So we are in the middle of significant changes both on the energy and automation side and that's what makes it very exciting. I see. You know, there was a new report out this week that said that a third of graduate level jobs are going to be replaced by robots. And even though the fourth industrial revolution is exciting, there's also a lot of anxiety about it. You know, how are humans going to respond to the fact that automation is going to take over their jobs? Are they still going to have livelihoods? So how do you see this playing out in the next 10, 20 years? You know, uh for sure, there is a lot of discussion about jobs and the impact on jobs uh, with uh, increasing automation, increasing penetration of robots in the system. But the fact is that if you look at uh, some of the countries with the highest uh, ratio of uh, utilization of robots, take Germany, take uh, Japan, take South Korea, they also have the lowest unemployment rate. So while jobs that are more routine in nature uh, will get more automated. It will also increase productivity and therefore create a lot more opportunities for newer jobs. Mm -hmm. but what I think is absolutely essential is that there has to be um, a greater uh, focus on the retraining of people and also the education system. You know, we all coming from times where, you know, um, up until now, uh, you grew up, you went to school, you got some skills, and then you spend the rest of your life uh, working and using the skills that you learned. Uh, I think we are getting into an era where uh, these, uh, uh, this uh, whole uh, sequence, which used to go from one generation to another, would now happen several times in the same lifetime. That means, uh, in several times in the lifetime, we'll have to go back into learning, mm -hmm. go ba uh, do work, go back into learning, do work again. So it will change some of the systems, but like every other revolution, industrial revolution before it, uh, it ended up with more jobs being created, more opportunities, uh, better, st better lifestyle, higher quality of living. So, um, and uh, the data that we have today actually points towards that as well. So, I'm very positive really about that. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you had a son and a daughter and they're going out into the workforce now, what would you advise them to study? Or what should they be learning to, to be, equip themselves for this revolution that's coming? I think the, the thing that would be of highest value is learnability, mm -hmm. okay? Curiosity has to, curiosity and learnability, I think, um, get to be more important than ever before. So it's uh, lifelong learning um, is, uh, is the paradigm that uh, I would say uh, the education system has to impart. So I'd like to ask you something about smart cities. In Singapore, smart cities has been identified by the government as a huge growth area. Globally, you see that as well. And in India, where you're from, Prime Minister Modi has said he wants 100 smart cities across India. So with APB being a technology leader, where do you think are the biggest opportunities as well as the biggest challenges for cities to become so-called smart? And can you, you know, explain to our listeners what the smart cities mean in the first place? The smart cities, uh, you know, if you look at 
historically there has been a movement towards urbanization okay um and uh, i think by uh, uh 2050 depending on what projections you see uh, between 55 to 60% of the world would be living in cities so cities uh, is where people today more and more people live there and that that trend is uh, going to be increasing when you talk of smart cities you're looking at cities that are more sustainable more efficient and offering a higher quality of life mm-hmm. okay so where do you think the biggest opportunities are where where is abb looking at in terms of smart cities to deploy the technologies and what kind of research are you doing in this okay. area well you know uh, what abb does is um, if you look at uh, smart buildings which are fully automated think of a building where uh, people walk home uh they um uh, the or the it knows uh, it sets the temperature of all the um, uh, rooms uh, based on people's choices um uh, the safety the security part is fully automated um uh, the electrical transportation uh, is uh, ready and charged for use depending on where people have to go Uh, so uh, it is uh, really looking at automation of the buildings part of it um, getting the electric cars um, and other transportation uh, we have also um, offered solutions like for example even today if you go in uh, the city of uh, geneva uh, the public transportation there uh, we are um, now providing with uh, something that we call flash charging so as electric buses but they don't have any overhead lines to uh, so it does not spoil the scenery so to speak when the bus stops to let off people uh, and um, during that time it gets enough charge to go to the next bus stop mm-hmm. because that's essentially what a bus does mm-hmm. in a in a city it goes from one stop to another mm-hmm. so from one uh, bus stop if it gets enough charge to go to the next one you don't need overhead lines and it's uh, it's cleaner it is better less pollution more sustainable mm-hmm. so these are the various dimensions that you have and as the population ages to make sure that people are taken care of um uh, you know um uh, personal health uh, calling for services uh, which are more automatic the automation of all that is what would define uh, Uh, smart cities. Mm-hmm. But do you not think that you know, for some countries that are developing still, like India, mm-hmm. I mean, basic infrastructure like sanitation or mm-hmm. clean water is not even in there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, is it realistic to think or expect smart cities to to grow as much as the experts are saying that you know we'll see we'll see that coming? There is no reason at all to uh, to say that one has to go through the same process of setting up. Uh, energy inefficient infrastructure and then make it efficient at a later stage uh, i think the best thing to do is to have more uh, efficient infrastructure set up right from the beginning so having an energy efficient sanitary uh, system uh, sanitation system uh, distributed generation so buildings that generate their own energy uh, um, this is possible and in fact um, Uh, more economical if it is done for the cities that are coming up now mm-hmm. so bring it up in a smart way rather than uh, go the traditional route and then try to make it smart 
Okay, interesting. So, you know, with um, the smart cities push around the world, with the another buzzword that we keep hearing is digitalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that, you know, ABB is working on. And can you please explain to our listeners what exactly is digitalization and what can we see um, in the coming years from this? All right. You know, um, what's happening is that uh, there is greater amount of communication today. You know, uh, wireless communication devices that can talk to each other. Uh, you can pick up your mobile phone and stream empty uh, uh, movie on it uh, these days. Uh, you have also greater amount of storage, uh, cloud storage that's coming and greater computing capability that is becoming available. Now that is and greater sensing capability. So you have sensors that you wear in your watches or mobile phones and uh, uh, and everything. So th- there is a potential for devices to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And that is giving rise to what is called the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. Um, in ABB, we call it Internet of Things, Services and People because if devices just talk to each other for value, uh, that to deliver value, there has to be some services that come with it. And people are, of course, at the center of this whole uh, change. So. Uh, digitalization is the whole process that is being enabled because of, um, uh, you know, increased availability of uh, communication, availability of uh, computing power and storage that is there, as well as advances that are being made in software areas such as artificial intelligence. All these ri- gives rise to possibility of improving productivity better. Okay, mm-hmm. and and that's why, and that is really at the core of the fourth uh, industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about sustainability. I mean, mm-hmm. ABB in the past, your slogan was power and productivity for a better world, mm-hmm. and sustainability was very strong. Now, you know, it let's write the future is very futuristic. But where is sustainability in okay. the ABB DNA, and how do you see all these technologies improving sustainability? First of all, ABB is all about sustainability. Our business is about sustainability because our core offering is improving the efficiency of uh, both the energy transformation process as well as the utilization of the energy. And um, our byline um, our slogan is let's write the future together. And, and I think together is a key element there because um, uh, it is together with our partners, together with our customers. Uh, so um, now, where, um, where, where does that uh, fit into, into sustainability? Um, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, in India, we recently commissioned um, a large amount of hydropower that's available in the northeast of the country. Uh, to and bring it to near Delhi, where there's a lot of consumption, uh, and that's a distance about 1,700 kilometers. And uh, the technology that we have used in there uh, is a very efficient technology, and it essentially means that for every in every year um, we save a power plant of uh, 250 megawatts. So that is the size of power plant that you're getting for free because of just the energy that you're saving in the transmission. Another example that I'd give you is that last year we launched a device called a Smart Sensor. Uh, you know, in any in the, if you go to any industry, the 
most common equipment that you see is a motor, okay? Um, but motors put together um, are the largest single consumer of electrical power in the world, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, so uh, this sensor, this sits, you can put that onto any motor. It can then start monitoring the health of the motor. What does that mean? Uh, because you can monitor whether the motor bearings are okay or if the temperature is okay, will it fail or is it running in an efficient way or not, uh, you can actually improve the lifetime of a motor because you can do timely maintenance by about 30%. You can reduce the consumption by 10%. What does 10% mean for overall basis? If all the motors, and there are about 300 million of those kind of motors in the world, get fitted with the smart sensor, the amount of um, uh, power that will be saved would be the equivalent of output of about 100 large power plants. Mm -hmm. Okay, Think of the saving that you would get by saving 100 large power plants. That's sustainability. Okay. No, that's really exciting indeed. So in terms of um, smart grid solutions, I mean, you, you've talked a little bit now about how it saves energy. What do you think is the greatest obstacle for the adoption of such technology around the world? I, I think the greatest um, uh, obstacle that is there is uh, more education is needed, more awareness of the existing uh, existence of these technologies are needed and the right regulations to be in place. Uh, because, um, uh, of course, uh, if, uh, if, you know, if regulations will drive the adoption of sustainable technologies, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, and that has, of course, economic benefit, social and economic benefit. So it's a combination of uh, the regulations, the technologies, and the industries. Mm -hmm. That I think they, these three things have to come together. Uh, and uh, I think the key element today is the regulation. So countries that adopt these regulations faster move towards the path of sustainability in a better way. Mm -hmm. So how do you think Asian countries fare in terms of, you know, how progressive their policies are in helping adopt these technologies? Are there some countries better than others? Well, you know, I, I think that is, uh, that's true anywhere across the world. But I'm very, very positive because um, in the last um, uh, year, if you look at uh, China, that is making uh, really great progress uh, into moving towards sustainable solutions. Uh, it is uh, now one of the largest investors in green energy sources, uh, in energy efficiency regulations. Uh, so I'm very, very positive that this will happen all over the place, all over the world. That's interesting. So as CTO, I'm very curious. I mean, you know, you oversee all the exciting R&D efforts across, you know, the world for ABB. What are some of the things that, you know, you can get sneak preview of that's going to revolutionize the way that we live or that we work? Is there something you can share with us? Sure. Let me, let me uh, take one example. Um, and that would be, you know, we launched uh, a two-arm robot called Yumi, okay? okay? And um, uh, robots are used in industrial production lines. Uh, if you go to a modern production line, you would see a lot of robots. But one thing you'd notice that all the robots are in cages, 
Okay. There's a cage around the robot. Um, and the cage is really not to keep the robot in because they don't run away anywhere. Uh, they're bolted to the ground, so they can't run away. It is to keep the people out, mm -hmm. okay? Because um, it can be very dangerous to come close to a robot while the robot is uh, welding or doing whatever it has been programmed to do. Uh, Yumi is a first of a generation of a robot where the cages are no longer necessary. You can be standing right next to a Yumi while, while Yumi is working mm -hmm. because Yumi is designed not to hurt you. Going forward, uh, in, the, in the next iteration, humans will get smarter, they'll get more vision mm -hmm. uh, in there, so they will be able uh, to sense uh, that there are people around, they will be able to recognize at some stage people that are around, so um, if, uh, if you go close to them, they know that Jessica is, uh, uh, has, has come so close, uh, cl uh, close to uh, uh, Yumi. Uh, they were, you'll be able to teach the robots by just, they'll, they can watch you and learn how to do a, a task. Uh, today, you program a robot. Okay. Mm -hmm. And robots are very efficient, mm -hmm. but their efficiency and productivity remains flat from the first day to the last day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Unlike human beings that learn over time. I mean, you take a human being first in and not so productive, but they get better and better and better and then they become experts at that. Where a robot starts with a particular level and stays right there. Mm -hmm. I think so more intelligence coming into the robot, uh, more uh, awareness about their surroundings will come into uh, the robots. So then there will be a complete mixing of robots and human beings working together. Mm -hmm. Well, this is very interesting. I mean, AI is obviously a huge area, you know, and there's a lot of interest in it. Um, you know, where do you think that will go? I mean, is ABB looking into developing its AI capabilities? And, and do you think that all the fear around AI and replacing humans or taking over humans is a valid concern? Or do you think that, you know, it's something that if you manage, it's going to be okay? You know, um, artificial intelligence, um, uh, it, it's, uh, first of all, as a concept has been there for uh, a long time. Uh, and uh, what's happened in recent years is, uh, and this is very interesting because how technology has fundamentally changed from where it comes. Uh, 30 years ago, technology used to come in uh, first into high-reliability high, uh, high applications like industrial applications, etc., and then they would go to consumer side. So computers were used first in industries before they came on people's desks, mm -hmm. okay? Today, it is more the other way. Mm -hmm. The technologies are coming more from um, uh, consumer space and then moving more towards industries. Mm -hmm. So it is in a way, how technologies get introduced is changing in, um, in a bit. Uh, the latest, uh, you know, focus, um, you know, what's happening in um, artificial intelligence is driven by, you, you know, things like you might have read uh, some time ago that uh, the game of Go, which was seen as uh, something that uh, um, a computer would never be able to beat a human being, because it's a game which is very, with very simple rules, mm -hmm. but it is very complex in terms of uh, uh, the number of 
possible combinations that could be there. Mm -hmm. The number of combinations that you can have in a game of Go um, is uh, more than they say the number of atoms in the universe. So it is really huge. So it's quite difficult, if not impossible, to find to say that you can uh, forecast the game ending to a logical conclusion. Because theoretically, you can you can do it. Practically, you don't have the equipment to do that. So therefore, Go was considered as uh, a game there that human beings cannot be mastered by computers, unlike chess or other games. And, you know, um, last year in March, uh, there was, um, uh, you know, this company, a startup company in UK that has now been bought over by Google mm -hmm. that uh, wrote a program that beat the human champion. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, and, and that was... Uh, and from th that uh, same algorithm can be used to improve industrial processes. So it is now coming from gaming industry and others and for industrial uses. Mm -hmm. So um, I think this fear that AI would take over the world is, um, um, you know, not Founded uh, uh, not properly, uh, f uh, you know. Uh, I think it's an overestimate because people are right now talking about uh, specific intelligence, not human-level intelligence, which allows for leaps. Mm -hmm. okay? okay, so um, I think artificial intelligence will improve the quality of life, not threaten the quality of life. Mm, that's all very interesting. Um, in terms of the industries that are going to be disrupted, I mean, you talked about disruption, right? Can you identify the industries that are going to see the biggest disruption? Well, you know, disruption always, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, happens all the time. You know, uh, if you look at um, uh, the largest uh, taxi company does not own any taxis or the largest, uh, you know, uh, um, travel uh, stay company uh, does not have any uh, own any hotels and uh, so uh, these guys so I think when you're looking at disruption disruption is um, uh, one is the technological disruption that is the business model uh, disruption uh, so um, yes technology replaces old new technology replaces old technology um, and uh, also, uh, but for every replacement, there is a benefit. Mm -hmm. There's a benefit in productivity, There's a, uh, which means that uh, uh, it, it creates uh, new jobs, it creates uh, new kind of opportunities for new industries to come up. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, there's disruption that happens, but every disruption has resulted in more positive outcome than a negative outcome. Mm -hmm. You touched on energy just now and, you know, ABB is trying to grow its solar business. Mm -hmm. Do you think this global transition to a low carbon future in which, you know, renewables are uh, on, on the rise, do you think that's happening quickly enough? I mean, we talk about the climate change and the Paris Agreement and everyone is so pessimistic, especially ever since, you know, Donald Trump became the US president. So I'd love to get your views, you know, on wh what do you think about this energy transition, given that ABB is squarely in the middle of it? Well, uh, very frankly, I think uh, energy transition is very much possible. Mm -hmm. uh, is think, it happening uh, quickly enough? Um, is it happening quickly enough? Well, that is always a discussion point, but uh, can it be accelerated? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, uh, it, can, uh, it can be accelerated. I think the technologies to do that is all here. Mm -hmm. And that is really the good news, that it is not waiting for 
uh, new technology, then many things get connected. For example, storage, which is would be more required as we get more and more solar, uh, from electrical vehicle, uh, uh, a greater um, you know use of uh, electrical vehicles. That is driving the battery technologies, which can which are also very much usable uh, than for storage. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I think the technologies for um, a transition to cleaner energies uh, are very much there. And also the technologies to keep the grid stable while we are shifting, while we are migrating into more renewable energies. So if the technology is already there and the grid can be stable because that's you know a common criticism about renewables that it's an intermittent and it causes instability. If it's all already there, then why is it not happening yet? Well, it is, it is happening, but remember, this is like um, on a life system. Okay. Uh, it, it's not like, um, it's like you're, you're a marathon runner that is running and you have to do open heart surgery okay. while the person is running. Okay. So um, uh, we, have, um, uh, we have a system where uh, nobody is going to accept that we can shut down the whole energy system and then restart it uh, five, ten years later uh, when it is transformed. So this transformation is happening on a life system. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also to be considered that uh, nobody would accept shutting off the power for some time and then, then come back. So, mm -hmm. uh, okay, that's really interesting. So I think we're coming to the end of you know, the podcast. I want to perhaps you know, get your views on what do you think would be some of the things that would change really how, how we, we live and, you know, how are we going to respond to all these changes? I mean, just as a, you know, any reflection on that? I think it'll, it will um, certainly, um, uh, I, I'm very positive because um, I don't know what the future, what the new changes, um, uh, what we'll do with that um, uh, additional time, but what what is I think uh, what is very important is that if you look at history, that's always been the case that uh, um, new inventions, new innovations have always gone to improve both uh, the quality of life as well as uh, uh, creating new new opportunities uh, for new jobs, um, better living, uh, and so. Um, uh, it, it will just create new opportunities. Mm -hmm. Some of those we can see today, many, we, they will come. Mm -hmm. You mentioned new inventions earlier, and I remind, I'm reminded that you also oversee the venture capital arm mm -hmm. of ABB. You know, what are you investing in? What is ABB investing in? What do you find as an attractive proposition when you go and look at startups, for example? Well, you know, um, our focus really is to look at startups with technologies that would uh, have uh, that either useful in our space or could be disruptive for for us mm -hmm. okay uh, so um, when you're looking at innovation uh, it is coming from academia which is very traditionally we have uh, worked with um, but also now coming from the startups because mm -hmm. uh, a whole lot of startups are coming up with uh, new uses of technologies uh, and uh, new algorithms, new software uh, concepts. Uh, so we actually work with them. We work, um, we have, we can 
bring some value to them because of our industrial background and experience. At the same time, we also see um, uh, that uh, they're using things in, uh, in, a, in a newer way, coming from a different direction. So that becomes part of our R&D uh, innovation uh, engine, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've, uh, we're plugging in uh, the companies that we are investing in uh, mm -hmm. and learning from them, monitoring how the technologies are developing so we can adopt them just at the right time mm -hmm. so that um, our customers can also benefit from it. Mm -hmm. Where do you see these clusters of innovation coming from? Like which countries? Are there some uh, environments like, you know, Silicon Valley or like Singapore or India? I mean, are there certain environments that... For sure, you know, I, I think uh, Silicon Valley clearly is one of them. Uh, Israel is another area with uh, another country with uh, a very strong startup uh, ecosystem. Uh, Scandinavian uh, countries are very strong uh, in that. China is developing uh, very fast in that. Uh, so is India. Uh, I think uh, Singapore, we're sitting in the uh, science park and uh, just walking up to this office, um, uh, you could see a whole lot of startup uh, uh, in, uh, in this area. So uh, I think um, uh, it is it is pretty much a global phenomena. There is uh, some pockets that are more in trend than others, but I think this is an area where it's developing pretty much everywhere. Okay, great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and for coming to our studio today. It was really, really lovely to chat with you. Thank Bye. you. This podcast was hosted by EcoBusiness at the SDG Co, a co-working space and hub for collaboration on sustainable development here in Singapore and Asia-Pacific. EcoBusiness is the leading media organisation on responsible business, clean tech and sustainable development serving the Asia-Pacific community. This episode is part of the Let's Write the Future podcast series, which was supported by ABB. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com, follow us on social media and subscribe to our newsletter, which brings you interesting news from around the region. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next one.